the new John Simmons Show. After years of battling a gambling addiction, John found a hope and a future for his life through Christ. He has spent the last several years encouraging others to find joy, peace, and hope in their lives by walking out God's plan for their lives. Now, John wants to help you find the passion, vision, and faith you need to start writing out God's sentence for your life and help you add to it every day. Four lines are now open. Call or text 314-880-0808. Now, here is your host, the new John Simmons. Everybody, welcome. It's the new John Simmons Show, where you can find God's sentence for your life and become the new you, where we talk about finding passion, vision, and faith in your walk with Christ so that your life can overflow with joy, peace, and hope today. Welcome to the program, everybody. We're going to get into a conversation about God's sentence in just a little bit. We're going to go over passion, vision, and faith for those of you who may be listening for the first time. You've heard me share these concepts briefly before. Well, we're going to get deeper into them tonight. Encourage you to find God's unique plan for your life as we travel down this episode of the show. I want to also include it encourage anyone who is listening in the radio or listening to this on a podcast to find us on Facebook. That's where we do our live stream show, and we're soon going to be moving to a new studio. We're very excited. We're also in talks with some new radio stations. Very excited to see uh, some things that are happening behind the scenes here, the growth of the show. We would like to invite you to be part of that if you would like to come help out, uh, whether it's uh, through financial support or you just want to give us an encouraging email or you want to be part of the team that's putting together uh, these shows and also building the TH Network. Uh, More on that maybe later. Uh, We're trying to develop a number of Christian shows that can allow uh, people to find good quality Christian content in different places other than TBN. Uh, We're trying to think outside the box and create new, awesome, engaging entertainment on Facebook Live and YouTube that are going to help educate and edify and entertain those that are looking for a new kind of Christian program. So Uh, That's part of our vision around here. New John Simmons Show is part of that. So if you'd like to partner up with us there, head over to newjohnsimmons.com. You can click on the Advertise with us if you have a Christian business or a service. Or if you just want to support us, there's several ways listed, including financial. But, you know, ultimately, we just we want to help other people. So if you can help us just by giving some, volunteering some of your time, that could be helpful as well. Sharing this with your friends could be part of that. All you got to do is click a couple buttons on Facebook. Invite some of your friends over to share and share the show with them. Maybe somebody you know that needs some encouragement or someone who is looking for some answers to life's questions, including maybe some recent grads in your life. Just go ahead and share the show. And that's, a, that's enough to uh, you know, do your part, as you would, uh, to be helping this ministry continue to share the message of the gospel, which is so dearly written on our hearts. And so... I'm going to be telling you why it's dearly written on our hearts tonight, because I want to talk to you tonight about finding God's sentence. God is a sentence for your life. It's something that we say on the show so many times, uh, but there is more to it than just a pithy saying. We have a very exciting roadmap that helped us build this idea, and I want to share some of it tonight with you. So... You've heard my testimony. When I got called into ministry after being a problem gambler, God 
started to talk to me. And that's what happens with anyone who begins to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you get born again. You start to communicate with God through prayer, through Bible reading, by spending time with other believers, maybe at your church or Bible study group. And as you begin to spend that quality time with Jesus, you'll be able to hear things from God. The Bible says, John 10, 27, that we should hear the voice of God, and then what we do hear it, we should also follow it. So there's a give and take there. So not only do we hear the voice of God, so if someone out there is telling you that we don't hear God's voice today, uh, I would not agree with that because the Bible says otherwise. And the other thing is, is that when God talks to us, we should be listening for some sort of instruction whether it's specific to go do this thing right now at this time or whether it's something more abstract or more broad sense of like this is the way that I want you to act, uh, you know, I want you to be kind to others, I want you to live with faith. These are sort of large-scale ways to live. And this is what happens when you build a relationship with Christ. You'll begin to hear from God. And for me, it was no different. So, I mean, this isn't special to John. John is not some special Christian God talks to and then I get to tell you all about it. Uh, They have names for quacks like that. Uh, No, God talks to you too. If you're a born-again believer and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can absolutely hear the voice of God today. He can speak to us in a number of ways. He can speak to us through revelation knowledge. He can speak to us through his word, the Bible. You can open it up and uh, a verse can pop off the page and into your heart. You You can think, man, I was just thinking about that, and all of a sudden a story comes across your Bible reading time where you're like, man, that really pertains to me. That seems like it's pointed directly at my heart. They call that a rhema word. There's actually a term for when you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden it jumps off the page and you're like, oh my gosh, that's about me. God's talking to me with his word. There's, it's called a rhema word. So there's lots of ways that God talks to us. He can talk to us in dreams and visions. Talk to Moses inside a burning bush. Uh, there's many ways that God can talk to us. So... We know that he talks to us, so what we now need to discover is what is he saying when he does talk to us. I think that many people uh, are sort of hindered. They think, well, God maybe talks to the pastor, and maybe if you're a Catholic, God talks to the priest. God doesn't talk to us. We need a moderator, you know, a mediator for that conversation. Not true. Uh, The Bible discusses that since Christ came, we now have open communication lines with the Father. So we, we... you know, enact prayer into our lives as a believer. This allows communication to take place. What does this have to do with finding God's sentence for your life? A lot, actually. If you're determining what to do with your future, if you're trying to figure out God's unique plan for your life because he has one for you, you are special to him, very special. It's not just John. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the, the traveling evangelists that have a plan for their lives. Every single person that's ever been created and born has had a purpose inside God's kingdom. Now, the devil will come and try and steal it from you. He'll try and kill you, and he does a, he's does. he been doing this for a long time. He's done a great job. Lots of people's lives have been ended early. Lots of visions from God have been destroyed. Lots of things have taken place that are outside of God's will because there are two opposing forces here on the earth that are fighting against one another, and we are born with a sin nature. And a sin nature is just this idea that we do things we aren't really meant to do. Uh, we're all born with this nature, though. We can't, afford, we can't avoid it. We can't do enough to earn our way into heaven because the Bible says the penalty for sin is death, and the only way to atone for that death is a sacrifice of blood, and since Jesus died on the cross, his blood now 
atones for all that sin. And, and sin, it just, it's, it's just such a Christian way to say it. So if this is, you know, you're, you've heard the Jesus story, you don't read the Bible, let me sort of, you know, make it a little easier to understand, or at least make it a little more worldly to understand. We all mess up, every single one of us. We didn't get to make the rules on why we mess up, though. God created originally the laws, you know, the laws in Leviticus that a lot of non-Christians like to point to and say, well, if you break that law, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. And they talk about slavery and they talk about women's menstruation and they talk about all these crazy, out-of-date, uneffectual laws that uh, the Old Testament talks about. The whole purpose of those Old Testament laws, by the way, was God proving to people, to man, that they couldn't be good enough because There were people in the early days of the church that were like, God, I'll do whatever you say. I'll just follow you to the ends of the earth. And God said, okay, well, all I want you to do are these ten things. Just do these ten things, and uh, you'll be good. God, of course, knew that no man can just do these ten things, uh, not do them, I should say. Uh, And so every single one of us has broken the commandments. Every single one of us. You don't have to necessarily murder someone, but the Bible talks about even if you just have evil thoughts about someone, it's just as bad as murdering someone. Now, that's it's sort of crazy to think about in our minds logically, but to God, it's like it's the motivation of the heart that he's looking at. It's not the actual physical act of doing wrong. It's why are we doing the things that we're doing? Eating a cheeseburger may not be a sin, but eating 100 cheeseburgers because I'm motivated to you know fill up my belly with all this gluttonous food could be a sin. And so we're trying to de- decipher what's right and what's wrong. What's good for my future? What's not good for my future? What am I supposed to be doing? What should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? These are all basic questions that we ask whether you know Christ or not. What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my future? I want to help you tonight. I want to help encourage you to find the future that you were designed and created to live something so awesome that it's going to bring satisfaction and pleasure to your soul. That's what Psalms says about it. Have you ever been satisfied? Uh, like you eat this good meal at the restaurant, right? And it's just like the perfect f- amount of food right before you get too stuffed. But it's also like every bite's the best. It's like this juicy, buttery steak and this, you know, wonderful potatoes or whatever it is, your favorite meal. Can you imagine just sort of pushing the plate back and being like, oh, that was so satisfying. That is the life that God has for you, this perfect moment that we can all relate to. We've all had this meal. Some of us have had the meal where we didn't get enough food and we're still hungry, right? Or you've had the meal where you are just you ate way too much and you just want to, you know, plop on the couch and not move. That's what our lives look like when we start making our own decisions. Either we feel like we don't have enough of a good life or we indulge maybe too much in some sin and it sort of makes us not want to do anything else. You know, when I was gambling and I lost all that money, I was tied to the couch just like I ate too much. I didn't want to get up. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I definitely didn't feel satisfied. Yet the Bible describes that when we start to trust God and follow his plans, that we can have satisfaction, we can find pleasure, we can find joy, we can have hope. These are all things in the world that everyone's looking for. I have yet to meet anyone who said, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm good on that. I'm really, it's just, it makes me so happy to be depressed all the time. 
Oh, I just love being suicidal. No, it's great. No, I love having no money. Let me tell you about it. Uh, I just think it's the best to not be able to do what I want whenever I want. Of course not. It's not how we think. It's not how we act. No, we chase after the things that we want. That's why we get in credit card debt and why we struggle uh, going from job to job because we want to find what we want in life. We want to make ourselves happy, we call it. The world teaches us that we, you know, just do what makes you happy. But it's so it's it's such a lie from the enemy because the the Bible doesn't say any. And there's nothing in the Bible about being happy is like a, a pinnacle of life. No, the Bible uses the word joy. Joy is so much bigger, so much deeper, so much more exciting and worth chasing than happiness. Because happiness is a fleeting feeling that changes with your circumstances. If you pick up a $20 bill on the side of the road and you're like, oh, wow, free $20 bill. But then you turn the corner and see somebody rear-ended your car where it was parked. <laughs> the happiness of that $20 bill is going to be gone right away. Joy is the ability to see your cracked car and not be frustrated and angry about it. Now, you might be ticked off and, you, you of course, you're going to wish it hadn't happened. But you're going to deal with it with more wisdom and grace than you could without joy. Someone who's seeking happiness is going to stomp up and down and they're going to yell at the person who hit their car and they're going to, you know, get on Facebook and tell everybody what an idiot they were. And they're going to yell at the the, the car shop for charging them too much. And they're going to make all of these decisions based in their emotions in that moment. (laughs) They'll never talk about the $20 bill, by the way. Meanwhile, a person in joy can see their cracked car and they say, well, all right, you know, obviously this isn't the best. You know, they'll talk to, maybe they'll talk to the person who cracked it. Oh, you, it was an accident. I'm so, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have parked it there, <laughs> you know. And you can start to laugh about these things. Yeah, I'll have to go take it to the shop now, you know, switch insurances. You got insurance? Oh, you don't have insurance. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that, <laughs> you know. Uh, there are things in life that even though they suck to happen, they're not the end of the world. You, you know, your car getting rear-ended is not the end of the world. Now, yes, you've got some extra items on your to-do list now. You have to go to the, maybe you got to get your car towed, got to get it fixed, don't know how to pay for it, guy didn't have no insurance. All that stuff sucks. But it doesn't change your life. Your future isn't less possible because your car got in an accident. You might feel like it. The world will be like, Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I just bought this car. It was my life, my baby. No, you know what? Your life is not your car. Your life is not anything you own. (laughs) Your life is what you do with your time. Your life is what God's designed you to do with your time. And for all of us, he's designed us to do... Something very specific, and I want you to catch this tonight. He's designed us to do good things through Christ. This is what the Bible says is our purpose. The Bible talks about a lot of different good things. What is a good thing? Our ministry has taken several scriptures in the Bible, and we've we've been able to look at all of them and realize that it comes from this one point where you see when Jesus is talking to the preachers of the day. They called them the Sadducees. They called them the Pharisees. And they were trying to trip up Jesus, talking about the Old Testament law. He said, you know, what are the greatest commandments? 
We talked earlier that men was never designed to be able to follow the commandments. It was God's proof that we could never be good enough to earn salvation. And so when God, you know, let Jesus live a perfect life, they tried to trip up Jesus in his perfect life. And Jesus, who was God and was man, was able to live a perfect life. Just as we have the same temptation, so did he. And we get tripped up sometimes when people try and question us about our faith or about what we're trying to do with life. Sometimes we don't have the answers. Jesus wasn't so easily tripped up. And when he was asked, you know, what are the greatest commandments, he said that the greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. These are the two things that we can all look at and say, these are what we were designed to do. If you're designed to do good things through Christ, you are designed to love God with all of yourself, not just a little bit, not just on Sundays, not just when your mom is looking, not just when the kids are looking, not just because you think you're supposed to, but because you want to, to love God with every inch of your life. doesn't mean you have to have your Bible open 24-7, but your motivation, your heart is for him. The other is to love others as yourself. This is something the world does not teach us to do because the world tells us to do what makes us happy. What makes us happy? That's very specific to me <laughs> uh, because what makes me happy doesn't make you happy. The same things don't aren't enjoyable to every single one of us. You might be chasing money and that might make you happy, but to someone else, money may be you know less of a luxury. Maybe it's just quality time or maybe it's just having a good beer at the end of the night. Who knows what makes certain people happy? But you do, because it's you. And that's why the world tells you to do what makes you happy, because the devil's in control of this earth, if you didn't know that. Second Corinthians 4, four. look at that scary verse for yourself. <laughs> the devil's in control of things, and he's going to try and influence you to do you, bae. <laughs> he wants you to focus on you, because if you're focused on you, you're not doing the the two good things that you were designed to do. If all we think about, the motivation of our heart, it's all what the, the commandments stemmed from. What is our motivation? God allowed our hearts to make choices in our lives. God's not making us do anything. He's not making us earn salvation. He's not making us get the gift of salvation. He's not doing anything to make us do anything. But he's giving us this free will choice, but he's looking at our hearts. The Bible talks about he, he sees inside a man's heart. He knows the, his motivation. And so if we're motivated to just do us, then we're still walking in that sin nature we were born with. But if you find Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you realize your need for that Savior because you were born into this sin, you're not doing things right, the results of your life decisions haven't added up and haven't brought the satisfaction that you wish it had, God has another plan for you. It's a plan to bring satisfaction and joy, but it takes the motivation of your heart to be centered on God and on serving others. Because if we begin to serve God and we begin to serve others with our lives and our actions and our motivations, guess what it's going to do? It's going to bring joy, peace, and hope into our lives. We're going to find the thing that we're so desperate to find already that the world is seeking in every area of life. We're trying to make ourselves happy in money and in culture and in you know, in beauty and all of these different things that we're, you know, chasing after to be more beautiful, to live longer, to last longer. We're trying to be happy with our families and our relationships and have nice money in the bank. 
We're trying all these things to make us happy. But the truth of it is, being happy in all of those areas stems when we start to be motivated to love God and love others. Then, God says, our lives can overflow with the things that we desire. Otherwise, they're all just going to be fleeting feelings. That happiness can go away as soon as it showed up. But a life in Christ can be a life of joy overflowing. When we come back, we'll get into the three steps that we teach on how to find God's sentence for your life, passion, vision, and faith. We'll get into what those three things are and uh, encourage you to find God's sentence for your life before we go off the air tonight. Don't go away. You're listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Faithfully Fit and Wellness is St. Louis's all-new faith-based fitness program. Not only does Faithfully Fit want to see you shed pounds, but also wants to see you shed any other weight you've been carrying through Christ. Classes are filling up every morning during the week, so grab your spot in an individual class or an eight-week boot camp. Faithfully Fit offers classes in circuit training, drumstick fusion, cardio, and strength and personal training. Classes start at just 5 bucks, and the eight-week boot camp starts at 75 But wait, as a listener of the new John Simmons Show, Faithfully Fit is offering you a buy one, get one free boot camp when you mention this ad when signing up. That's two camps for the price of one. You can bring a friend, split the cost, or have your second camp for free. Either way, this is a special offer only for show listeners. Sign up today by calling 314-239-4149 or visit faithfully.fit for more information. Faithfully Fit can also hold classes at your church or school. Don't delay. Contact Faithfully Fit where they hope to strengthen your body in your relationship with Christ. Call 314-239-4149. Testimony House Ministries is the proud sponsor of the new John Simmons Show. We are so thankful for all of you who tune into the show, watch us live on Facebook or on our YouTube channel. Without all of you, the new John Simmons Show and all the other Testimony House Network shows would not be possible. Please visit newjohnsimmons.com today and click the Partner With Us tab to help us continue sharing our message of the future and a hope through Christ with others. God bless. The new John Simmons Show is part of the Testimony House Network. To learn more about the network or to watch other network programs, please visit testimonyhouse.org. Now, here's the new John Simmons. Everybody, welcome back to the new John Simmons show with you live 9 p.m. Central Standard Time here in St. Louis and on your radio across uh, parts of the country. Thank you for joining us also on the Facebook live stream. Very excited that you're with us tonight. If you would like to know more about our show, head over to newjohnsimmons.com. We have a What is the New John Simmons Show video you can watch that we put together a while back. It's an interesting watch. Uh, shares part of my testimony and also what our vision is here for the show. You can also catch past episodes on the podcast. We also have our videos up of the past shows. All that stuff's also available on social media. You can find us at Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all of that. But I uh, want to stay connected with you, the listener and the audience, and also ask you to share our show with your friends. We would like to see others find encouragement through Christ and we don't know everybody you know, so you do, though. So help us out, and uh, we'll all work together to share this gospel message to more and more people. Tonight's show, we're talking about God has a sentence for your life. 
This is the foundational teaching of this ministry that supports this program, Testimony House. See it up in the corner of the screen here if you're watching live on Facebook. It's a ministry we started in 2013 that has the desire to share the stories of people who have found their new life in Christ. Just like I had. The story of my life and overcoming my gambling addiction to find hope and find a wife and find a, a purpose, a designed purpose to start a ministry and find myself becoming a father. All of these things were designed parts of my plan from God. But had I continued to do everything that I was trying to do, which was to build wealth through <laughs> you know, winning poker tournaments or betting on the Super Bowl, those things didn't work out like I had hoped. <laughs> Instead, I found myself in debt and destructing my whole life. Blew it up, man. I had to live in so many crazy places because of my bad money problems. I once lived in this place. Uh, my One of the guys I used to work with uh, let me rent real cheap his new house he had bought, rent out the basement. Well, he didn't have an extra room for me. So I was basically living on some guy's couch for a little bit. Well, he said, I'll build your room. So he put up a sheet of drywall uh, in his basement. There was no door. He says, here's your room. (laughs) And so it was just like a a little tiny hole under the stairs. Sort of like you ever, you know, the Anne Frank story, how they like hit her in the, in the, you know, the attic or whatever it was she was hidden. I felt like that a little bit. Uh, It was so terrible that like we'd have friends over. And uh, we'd all party in the basement, and my room was just there for everybody to see. Uh, there was no privacy for me or any of my guests uh, who I maybe had, you know, hanging out with me who weren't, you know, trying to be at this party. I don't know. Things are going on. And so these, we started to call it the panic room. <laughs> this panic room. Uh, an oxymoron of any name. The truth of it is, there was no windows or anything in the basement. So if the you know the fire started or you know something were to happen uh it was the opposite of what a panic room is a panic room if you don't know it's supposed to be this place you can go into where you're safe you know whether it's from physical harm maybe something's happening outside something weather related or also from maybe intruders or something and so this room was absolutely the opposite of that one of my wonderful places i lived in the midst of my addiction i hope that you don't have your own panic room in life this terrible place that you lived or maybe you Hopefully that you won't find a panic room in your life because God does have a very special plan for you. You're special to him. He's created you to do good works through Christ Jesus. We talked about that in the last segment. What is it to do good things? Love God and love others as yourself. This will prove that the motivation of our heart is true to faithfully walk out God's plan for our life. We get the term God has a sentence, by the way, from the scriptures in Hebrew 11, which describe the lives of different Bible characters, Bible you know people, Bible. I hate to call them characters because they're not made up, but these are the true life stories of men and women of God who did things because God asked them to do them. You know, remember we hear God's voice, John 10:27. We should follow His voice. So the stories of people who followed God's voice were written down in Hebrews 11. They call this the Hall of Faith chapter. This is a a section of scripture where you know all the all the big names. Even if you don't read the Bible, you've heard of Abraham and Noah and David, probably, and so maybe Samson. Samson Delilah, you heard of him. He's in, he's listed in this. So all of these different people who did great things, and there's men and women both in the book, in the chapter. So we know that it's not just regulated to one side of the gender species. 
they all have done great things for the Lord, and they've all had a sentence written about their lives in this book, in this chapter. And it says, by faith, Noah built a boat. By faith, Abraham moved his family to a place they would inherit. You know, by faith, Sarah had a child. By faith, Rahab, you know, allowed the spies to hid the spies. So we see here that there's things in our lives that God has designed us to do, and when we faithfully fulfill those things, they're recorded. Now we see in the Bible, throughout the Bible, that God is keeping meticulous records. He's counting the hairs on our heads, our tears. He's, he counts the stars in the sky. The angel, the Bible describes recording angels that we're going to give an account of all our idle thoughts and our words. And so all of these things combined, we're able to say God definitely has a sentence for our life. This is the, the method of which uh, we want to encourage you to understand that you're, you're living a life of purpose. You're living a life that's being recorded, whether or not you choose to follow God's path or choose a path outside of it, your own, even if it's not awful path, even if it doesn't lead to addiction and struggle and, you know, murder. If you're outside of God's will, you're outside of God's will. And I want to encourage you to find your, your way back to it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything figured out. You can have a bad past. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament Bible, he murdered a bunch of Christians. So if God will let that guy write part of the Bible, I'm sure he'll 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 forgive you of whatever sin you've done or will do because he loves you. His love is so great for us. And that gets into our first step on how to find God's sentence for your life. So if you're trying to record this Hall of Faith chapter testimony in your own life, which you have the ability to do, if all you all you do is follow God's plan for your life and follow his voice when you hear it, we teach there are three biblically-based steps that you can sort of use as a, view, a viewfinder for your life. Where am I and how do I get to finding God's sentence for my life? Well, the people in Hebrews 11, when they did what God wanted them to do, they walked out in faith. So faith is step number three, our last step on how you find God's sentence for my, your life. Because if you have the ability to have faith in your life, you're going to have the ability to walk out God's sentence for your life. But if you aren't at a place yet where faith is active and prevalent in your faith, and what faith is, by the way, it's the hope-filled expectation of things you believe in to happen. What's another way to say that? You believe the future you're thinking about. You're believing the future God has for you. You believe that you're going to heaven. You believe God has rewards for those of us who have done godly things here on this earth. You believe that God has a special and unique plan for you. You believe that your future is better than your past. You believe that the circumstances that you're dealing with today are not going to kill you. You might be sick, and you might think, John, that doesn't apply to me. Maybe it doesn't. But God loves you no matter what you're going through, sick, depressed, lonely, frustrated, angry, happy, joy-filled. God loves you. He loves you so much. And we need to try to follow this example in our own lives. And that is step number one to finding God's sentence for your life, finding passion. Passion is step number one. Passion is defined two ways in the dictionary, if you were to look it up. Passion is defined as being in a state of a strong emotion. There are four strong emotions, joy, anger, love, and hate. To live with passion is to be influenced by these strong emotions. We're not supposed to be influenced by strong emotions. That's what the world does. You get angry, you punch somebody. You get you love somebody, 
you know, you, you, you do crazy things for them. We're not supposed to make our decisions based entirely on our emotions, but they are part of who God has made us. So our emotions do come into decision-making. If we allow our strong emotions to let us make life-changing choices, we hope that our life-changing choices are made in love because God loves us so much. And to love in the way that God loves is to give. John 3.16 says, God loved so much that he gave his only son. So God loves, and when he loves, he gives. So when we love, we should give. We give our life to do what God wants for us. We give our life to serve others. We give our money. We give our time. We give our effort. We give our energy. We give, we give, we give. Why do we do this? Because we love God who created us. He says that when we do these things, he'll pour back into us, by the way. He's going to fill our lives with more things than we could ever think to ask for. The Bible says this. I'm not making this stuff up. This isn't just stuff to you know, make you feel better. The second definition of the word passion is the sufferings of Christ on the cross. You ever heard The Passion of the Christ? It was a very famous movie with Mel Gibson, but years before that it was an actual event. Uh, probably not as many people saw that. But we still talk about it today. The audience for the Passion of the Christ story is larger than that movie's audience ever was. Christ loves you so much that he lived a perfect life here on earth, even though he was tempted to sin. He went and died for you on a cross in the most brutal way possible. Had his skin ripped off, muscles were visible, uh, hung himself, you know, was hanging on a cross where he couldn't even barely breathe, and he had to lift himself up on feet that were attached to nails to just take a a breath Ugh. bleeding out of his head because they had a crown of thorns. You ever get a paper cut? <laughs> this guy had a crown of thorns. He died for us because he loves us. He loves us so much he gave his life. So when we're asked, when God asks us to just, you know, follow his plan for our life and to follow his voice when we hear it. I I don't think that that's too much to ask for. Again, he, he doesn't make us do it. It's all about free will choice. What is the motivation of your heart? Do you realize that the sufferings of cross were done at the cross were done because Jesus loves you? Or do you think that's some made up story and that this is just religion and there's a lot of religion. So who knows if this one's right? No other religion tells you that the God who created us loves us. None of them. There are religions that talk about the God, the Father, that we talk about in the Bible, the God of the Bible. And then they'll go out and kill people in the name of him. Listen, guys, God doesn't want us to go out and kill anybody. There might be time for war and things like that if you want to get really semantic about it. But he's not asking us to strap bombs to our chest in the name of his mission for our life. His unique plan for your life is not to strap a bomb onto your chest and get on a plane or run a truck through, you know, a bunch of people. Not to bomb an embassy just because they changed where the capital of Israel was. That's what's going on right now. If you haven't watched the news, Israel is protected by God, the Bible says. It's why Israel, one of the smallest smallest countries in the world, is also one of the richest, 
also one of the most well-protected. They've never lost a, a war. The entire world wants Israel's land. And every time someone's like gone to war against them, they've lost. Every time. You want to call that a coincidence? You want to call that they own the smallest piece of country and the world goes to fight them and they win every time. Never lost. One time they were in church. They knew that they knew they knew that all the Jews were in, in Sabbath and they couldn't, you know, turn the lights on on, on on their Sabbath, and so they tried to get them that day. And the the men the the men and the women you have to be in the army if you're in Israel by the way both men and women serve men serve for three years women serve for two years everyone has to join the Israeli army they jump out of church with their machine guns and they take down tanks this is a true story you can look this up on your History Channel Six Day War they took down tanks and airplanes with machine guns you can't make this stuff up but the world ignores that. The world, the world, it, it, it doesn't comprehend that that was a, a a protection of God. It takes a lot of faith to see that. Just a thought. God's got a plan for your life. God must also have a plan for their life. And it seems that the things that the Bible says about how He's going to protect them and watch over Israel, and they're going to, you know, no harm would come to them, and they would destroy their enemies. It seems like those things, those things are still being made true today. So. When we come back, we'll get into vision and faith. Encourage you on a couple different ideas you can do to find God's sentence for your life. This is the new John Simmons Show. Hey, everybody. New John Simmons here with you. Back in 2012, I found myself at the end of my rope for what seemed like the hundredth time. I cried out to God and said, God, if you're real... I need you to show me a future and a hope for my life. What happened next changed my life forever. It took me out of my life where I was a gambling addict who had lost over $500,000 allowed me to begin a new life in Christ where I found more joy, peace, and hope than I ever knew existed. I share the stories, including where I blame God for my father's death and the call into ministry that I found in my first book called Finding Faith. I also share with you the answers to the questions that I was asking God about what is faith and how can I move mountains with it. Finding Faith has those stories and so much more. I absolutely believe it can encourage you to find faith in your life today. Finding Faith by me, the new John Simmons, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble website, Walmart. You can also pick up a copy signed by me over at newjohnsimmons.com. Find passion. Find vision. Find faith. You're listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. We're back. New John Simmons Show here with you tonight. So thankful you've joined us both in your car radio or streaming live at newjohnsimmons.com or listening live, watching live over on Facebook talking about how to find God's sentence for your life tonight. It's been a, an interesting conversation, sharing some stories and also trying to encourage you to understand the real truth of your life. You are designed and created to do good things through Christ. You're not designed to be a loser. You're not designed to ha- be depressed. You're not designed to be frustrated and angry all the time. You're not designed to feel hopelessness. You're designed to be filled with joy and peace and hope. 
You're designed to do good things with your life. You've been given gifts that are irrevocable by God. You are very special to him. He loves you so much he died for you. Two steps we haven't talked about on how you can find God's sentence for your life tonight. Finding vision is step number two that we teach here in the ministry. Finding vision is about being able to see God's will. If finding passion is described as knowing God's will, you understand the difference between doing something he wants you to do and doing something because you want to do it because of the motivation of your heart. If you're motivated to do it because of what God wants you to do, you're probably not walking in sin. If you're motivated by your own nature, you are probably walking in sin. Uh, You can do things that aren't sinful while being motivated by your own heart. You can also do the opposite. But, you know, if we pay attention to why, why we're doing the things that we're doing and not just doing things for the sake of doing them, why are you going out where you're going tonight? Why are you coming from where you went tonight? Are these intentional thoughts that you put in your mind before you made these decisions? Or do you just say, hey, I want to go out tonight. Hey, I want to go to Taco Bell. Hey, I want to go hang out with this person. You know, why are we doing these things? Just thought. Finding vision is about being able to see God's will, which is being able to see in the future. You say, well, how do you see in the future? None of us can do that. That's some super weird power. It is, but it's also not, you know. You ever heard a story of someone who, like, thought they were going to do something with their life? Oh, I just always knew I was going to be an actor. Oh, I just knew I was going to be a mom. I just knew I was going to have three kids. I just knew, I just knew, I just knew. Guess what that is? That's what faith looks like, at least in in, uh, one sense of the word. If you're able to look at your future, even though you haven't lived it yet, and say, I'm believing for this to happen, it's called having a vision because you're walking in a direction. If you only think about the past parts of your life and you dwell on all those past relationships, you dwell on the you know the choices that you wish you wouldn't have made. You know, for me I was I dwelled a lot on, you know, I shouldn't have gone to the casino that night. I dwelled a lot on uh wish I would have stayed working at the radio in two thousand three instead of going to get a full time job at the casino. And you would worry so much about the past that it would, you know, halt you from looking into the future because you're like, well, I've already messed up. I've already made all these mistakes. There's no way I can make it better. It's not true because, again, you were designed to do good works through Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean you have to do it your whole life. Doesn't mean you have to get it right your whole life. Just means at some point you have to make that choice to be intentional to do those things the way you were designed. And having a vision is trying to write down and believe for things to happen in your future. You want to find out what God's gift is for your life? That's having a vision. You want to you know, decide where to go to school if you're young or if you you know, want to get back into school? Trying to figure out where you want to go and what you want to do as a career before you sign up is a vision. There are lots of visions you can have in your life from losing weight to reading your Bible in a year to having a vision for, you know, the company that you want to start or maybe you just want to, you know, you're you're shopping for TVs and you have a vision for this great big 44-inch TV or 55-inch TV to hang above your fireplace like I do. Or maybe you have a vision to go sit on the beach, these white sandy beaches with these flamingos like me and my wife do. A vision is not necessarily this big godly thing where it's all about, you know, what are you doing? Where where are you going to spend your volunteer time? Where what church are you going to build? 
A vision is just anything you're believing for in the future. The Bible tells us we can write our plans and God guides our steps. It also says that God can reveal to us his divine purpose. So it's a mixture of things. What are you trying to accomplish in your life? God may allow those things to take place if your motivation is being to do those things inside God's will. If you have a passion to love like God loves and like Jesus did, which is to know God's will and to try and do it above your own, and then you have a vision either from God, from yourself, or a combination of both, then you're going to need to have step number three, which is to find faith. Find passion, find vision, find faith, then you will be writing God's sentence for your life. Faith is the last step in our teaching because it's the action word. Having passion is not an action. It's a, it's, you just have it. You, you hold it. You do it. You, it's not, you can't do passion. You can have a vision, but you can't do a vision in the sense that, you know, like a vision is an abstract thought. It's not necessarily something that you can physically go do. You need faith to do something. Faith is an action word because faith is you doing the things that your passion motivates your heart and your vision motivates you on where that heart's going to take you. And then your faith allows you to make the decisions and the choices in life that bring your vision to pass based on your passion. You do what your heart believes in. If you believe that Christ is your Savior and he died for you and you believe you were designed to do good things, you're going to do through faith, the things that God wants you to do. They may not be immediately known to you that you're you know, walking out this grand plan in your life. Because for me, when I first found passion for God, I wanted to know God's plan for my life, but all I could do was read my Bible and get closer to him. All I could do was pray and go to church. All I could do was continually think about him when I'm in the car listening to Christian music or listening to Christian sermon. Now, did I fill my life with only those things? Absolutely not. I still go see the Avengers movies. I still watch shows that aren't TBN on TBN. I still do. I still have conversations that aren't just prayer. But when it comes time to following God's will in my life, I have faith to step things out. Many times uh, I step things out and people are like, what are you doing? I quit my job. And at the casino where I had nearly a six-figure salary at the time to get no money to do this ministry where I could talk to people about Jesus. That's not a, that's not a, a career path I would have thought I was going to walk even as far away as six years ago. But here I am today sharing my testimony, my story of overcoming addiction and finding hope and a future for my life with all of you. And how was I able to do those things? Through faith. Started this radio show through faith. Started our ministry through faith. Have shared my story with countless number of people in the parking lot of Shop and Save or on the side of the road at the Rock Road. I've been around the block. Uh, you know, People like to come up to me and God sends people into my way and we're able to talk about Jesus within just a couple moments. I remember once I was up at... Uh, just picking up, I was I had a new pair of glasses at the Walmart pharmacy, and I was going to pick them up. And this transaction should last just but a couple seconds. Didn't have to pay for it or anything. They were just handing it to me, and I was going to leave. And I pick up my glasses, and I'm on my way out the door, and this 
older woman who I wasn't even interacting with comes and says, hey, uh, can I talk to you for a second? And this is a true. Like, I was just like, sure. And she says, I don't know why I'm here to talk to you, but, you know, and she starts just, it's like word vomit almost. It's like they just can't get it out fast enough. She starts telling me how her son was having a real hard time and he had this addiction. Now, this is a woman I've never met, never talked to. You can think I'm making this up, but stuff like this happens. You know, and here I am standing in the middle of Walmart sharing my story with a woman who's hurt because her son is dealing with a similar issue. If I hadn't stepped out in faith to quit my job, moments like that maybe aren't being written. My sentence from God is probably, you know, not being written. And when I get to heaven and God's opened up all these records, I want there to be a record that I was trying to do something right trying to do the good things that I was designed to do through Christ. Not because I'm special or I'm more important than you, but because we're all created to do this. You have the opportunity to serve God. You have the opportunity to serve other people. These are the two greatest things we've been created to do. And when we do them, Romans 15, 13 says, our lives will overflow with joy, peace, and hope. I don't know about you, but I would like to have more of those things. Even though I have some today, I would like more of them, please. I would like more peace. I would like less worry. I would like more more hope, less despair. You can find it in yourself if you trust the Lord. Romans 10.9, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead as payment. And you shall be saved. It's a simple thing to say. It's harder to do. It took me 29 years. But when I did, I discovered that the life that I had been living wasn't wasn't really worth it. The life that God gave me to live, that I was designed to have, that I found simply by asking God what it was, that answered the satisfaction question in my heart. Lord, what am I supposed to do? What have I been created to do? What is my purpose? It answered all those questions. And if you've ever had any of those questions for yourself, I would encourage you to start asking God for yourself because you are special. I'm not special in the sense that I'm anybody better than you. But you are special to God. I'm special to God, all of us. And he's designed us all special to do something good through Christ Jesus. Find out what your plan from God is today. Start writing God's sentence for your life. All you have to do is ask. That'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on Facebook, listening on the podcast later in the week, and also for all of you who are listening on your radio. Thank you, Curtis, behind the boards, and thank all of you again for watching or listening to tonight's show. Until next time, guys, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.